last time you kept my joke about Dr. Zeus's penis. So. What? I was saying his lava lamp looks like uh, Dr. Zeus's <laughs> penis. Oh, actually, speaking of the lava lamp cult, I now have some worshippers yes. yes. at the cult of lava lamp. Hi everyone and welcome to another Sunday Roast. I'm a little bit different than usual, but uh, we have two wonderful guests as always. Uh, Super Tan, can you tell us a little bit about yourself for anyone who's uh, living under a rock at the moment? Well, I make um, extremely angry, extremely anti-Tory content. You can find me bloody everywhere. So, uh... Yay, and your links will be in the description of this video. Yeah, no, I... no doubt, Alex, yes. Yeah. And si Simon, can you tell us a little, a little bit about yourself too? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm Simon. I run a channel called The Track Record. Um, I cover mostly sort of map animations, geopolitics, explainer video type things. Um, but I also touch on some UK politics as well. Fantastic. And my wonderful co-host, Alex, from Political X. Hi, I'm Alex. I'm a historian. I'm now a journalist. And I make YouTube videos that also make loud, angry noises about the Tory party, mainly. My co-host, Max. I, I'm the only one who loves the Tories. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, My name is Max. I talk about uh, politics and Brexit in particular. Um, Alex, our you, first topic, we, we talk about uh, North Korea because do you one of the us. Tories because they bring in so much money to your channel because all yeah, the crazy yeah. crap. <laughs> now, you, now you got it. Uh, Next, ne YouTube first level, next level is GB News. I'm off to GB News after this. Next level is taking over the world. <laughs> GB News is a step brain. towards that. Apparently, Glastonbury is actually quite Tory. I think they polled a lot of the attendees and it's not as weirdly liberal as you'd expect oh god sort of like is it like that harry enfield episode where the rich people go and rough it like they're poor people for a holiday <laughs> to come up for the weekend anyway a couple of years ago we decided well if you can't beat them join them really so when the tinies come down here we, we go, go up, up to, to london, london. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we're staying with friends so we don't need much luggage I dropped the car at Chorleywood Tube Station. We picked some liquid refreshment up at the office so we don't arrive empty-handed. And then for the whole weekend we just use public transport like real Londoners. By the time we get to Oxford Circus, we're usually in the mood for some fun. <laughs> Yeah, well, now, well, I don't know. There were a lot of tweets there, so you could be right. <laughs> are you sure you weren't? Are you sure you weren't at the Tory Party conference? Oh, Aid um, Thompson, our friend Aid Thompson, came up with the perfect description for that. He called it Fashtonbury. Um, <laughs> which <laughs> I, I described like the Labour conference as being like really boring Glastonbury in the sense that it was like Glastonbury, but with like everyone dressed in John Lewis and. <laughs> and because every time you went to get somewhere it was so packed and rammed you just you missed the talk you wanted to be at by about five minutes because there was no organization um or, on my part i think can can i ask everyone what did you think of the guy who threw the glitter uh bella um, <laughs> i thought 
It's got good aim. Um, <laughs> That's a butthole. I think my first thought is better than a milkshake, but <laughs> good aim. I'd have been furious because I despise glitter. I hate it. I hate the stuff. It freaks me out. It gets everywhere, and I just I it's just, I don't know. It's like an OCD thing. I'm just like oh. Um, but the thing that annoyed me about that was that there's a lot of us making really positive inroads the right way to try and get this done. And to have some St. Andrew's upper middle class just go on stage and throw glitter and make demands, it's not really going to sway opinion in the right way and have the you know, intended outcome. And it was technically assault. And it was, um, you know, why why didn't he do that to the Tory party who are actually in power, you know? Yes. Um, and actually, well, I mean, the Keir Starmer has refused uh, proportional representation or you know the the party's vote on it which i'm not entirely happy with him for but you know at least, at least like i said labor as a party are moving in that direction yeah, Whereas the, yeah. but he uh, rishi sunak the start of his speech was the most hypocritical thing ever he was there going well pe you know people feel the you know the westminster si westminster system isn't working and you're like yeah now why might that be <laughs> <laughs> You are the Westminster system, you uh, yeah. don't. <laughs> I think this is the thing when you've been in power for 13 years, is unless things are going well, you, you really start running out but, of people but to blame. And that's why you but start going, uh... But it's interesting how they'll say, we have done so many great things over the last 13 years. And then when somebody says, look at what damage you're doing, it's like, but, but I, only, I only came in last year. So when it's... When things are going badly, it's like it's nothing to do with me. I, I just joined the club at the last minute. Well, you know, when they're trying to pretend that things are going well, it's because we've been in power for 13 years. You know, don't you know, like what, what came before was a disaster. We're the real one. Like what was it? Therese Coffey blaming the Labour Party, claiming that the Labour Party were not were, were not dealing with the sewage in the water. Really? Oh, it's desperate, isn't it? It's so unbelievably desperate um, and dispiriting. Oh. Yeah, did you have you guys all seen the Partygate documentary? Um, not documentary. Uh, not, no. Um, none of you I guys. Did. Have... I oh, did. you did. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a bunch of actors playing, dramatizing how they were treating you. It, that reminded me of how I witnessed people being and acting inside university at Oxford. It was almost identical. I'm not surprised. Mm -mm. Um, but then it was interspersed with the real life experiences that people were having at the time. It was um, a very difficult watch. As well as how they dramatised, and it was very briefly mentioned, but how they dramatised um, what they were going to do for Northern Ireland. Like, yeah. they clearly had a bunch of people that hadn't got a clue about yeah. any talking about, how do we put cameras up at the border? <laughs> oh, yes, we'll do it. Yeah, I mean, and then... Schrodinger's border. <laughs> very well said yeah like some, some of the the, the the actual actual whatsapp messages from the party gate thing was so do you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of when i was 16 and i was trying to drink with my mates at my parents house and it was like Ooh, you know, better not get caught you know it's it kind of reminded me of that you know they they, they even sent an aide out with a, a luggage um Back to, yeah. to smuggling alcohol. That was covered <laughs> in the um in the Partygate thing. Yeah, they covered all of that. It was just the horrific entitlement of the Spads and the staff, and how he kind of actively encouraged all of it. Johnson, like he was well aware, he was there. He was like raising toasts and leaving and going off to his own ABBA party upstairs. You know, bastards. So um, yeah. One yeah. thing I will say about Partygate, though, is I think it was the 
the first issue that really did penetrate the, the conservative base because a lot of those individuals had been following the rules and they felt like mugs because, well, because they were being laughed at, basically. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, it was it was no, it was no longer a us and them. It was we we you know we were following the rules. We've lost loved ones as well, and it wasn't a case of you know when it's when we're talking about free school meals or whatever. The Tories and their children are not impacted by that, but everyone was impacted by the pandemic. So, yeah, I, I think it and you had Tory voters, Tory supporters coming out against Boris Johnson and the Tories for over that. So it, it was a real, it was a watershed moment, I think. It, it was a real issue that affected everyone. And, you know, everyone was following the rules. People were not able to attend funerals, not be able to be close to loved ones. And there, I think many people who would normally support the Tories really felt let down and angry, and rightly yeah. so. Yeah, it's a brutal betrayal. I mean, not only were they pickpocketing us as we died, they were just having a jolly and, and you know, not just what they saw as menial staff at, at risk. You know, they were... And, but the worst part about it also that I found from the documentary was the fact that there's 24-hour police guards at that, at, at number 10. They knew this was happening. And it wasn't just one or two, like, because it's been kind of... It's been condensed into this lie, as it always is, that, that kind of rallies around in the media because of the Daily Mail and their influence. There was always just a bit of cake. It wasn't... It was, like, multiple parties, like... Although there are exemptions for work purposes, you must not have a work Christmas lunch or party. I, I, uh, I, I implicitly believe this to be a work of it. Shall I get the karaoke machine? So, um, just to confirm, Someone's been dancing on my desk. You gotta fight for your right. Yobbos would be my description. parties um, and not just like small gatherings but massive piss-ups like huge parties um, and there were people being fined like 10 grand for organizing an outside snowball fight and um, yeah they all got like 50 pound fines and were told just to fill in questionnaires it was it, it wasn't just the party aspect it was also the way the police dealt with it so it wasn't just one rule for them it was one law for them and another for the rest of us and those people are still having to pay back those massive fines like still having to pay them like it's grim i mean obviously it's irresponsible for anyone to have flouted the rules but for the people that literally literally legislated and and you know made the laws and made the rules and, and 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 of course Boris Johnson standing up every night saying follow the rules people we need to all follow the rules we need to and protect going off and doing a toast yeah getting pissed with his mates up in his part in his pad which he furnished illegally 
Oh god, yeah, to look like a bloody what was it? It looked like a kind of Persian <laughs> brothel. I think it looked like <laughs> he went description. to a also... Ashley home on acid. <laughs> yeah. You know he's was... got a pair of shorts that are identical as well. There's a picture of him in jogging shorts that are identical to his wallpaper. Maybe he furnished it like that to remind himself of the Bunga Bunga parties that he had a lot of fun at. <laughs> Maybe it was a Bunga Bunga party that he was having up there. Please, I, I don't want to think about that. Or maybe no he thinks he would just stay number ten forever, just camouflage into the wall. You know. <laughs> Watch. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did end up having like a kind of siege, didn't he, when he left? It was like he kind of like in the end, it was literally just Doris. Because I remember seeing like the people that were left. There was like a couple of people, Nadine Doris, and it's like, what is Nadine Doris going to take on every single role? And <laughs> it got it got insane. You know, it got insane. The stuff that just keeps coming out about Partygate. You didn't want to meet with, with Mike Drakeford and Nicola Sturgeon because you didn't want it being run like a mini EU, which we are. We're a mini authoritarian EU. We are the thing that they hate. We're more authoritarian than the EU, which so is much astounding. Anyway, what about, big, um... what about North Korea? <laughs> um. God. Simon, you 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 caught our attention because apparently you've been to North Korea, uh, which is unusual. Please <laughs> tell us how. How and why? <laughs> right, so it's not actually as hard to get in as you'd expect. You know, I wasn't wasn't parachuting over the border. You know, like black ops. It was. Um, uh, there's a British company called Corio, um, and you essentially you just book onto a tour. Uh, it's a very guided tour. You're not not just showing yourself around. Uh, you're railroaded by three North Korean guides and a British guide uh, the whole way, um, but yeah, that's how you get in. You just you just sign up. What what was the inspiration? <laughs> what made you why? Yeah, um, why? <laughs> it sounds like a bit of an odd answer. The reason I wanted to go to North Korea is because you can't go to North Korea. That's Fine. that's what interested me. The fact it's uh, a completely hermetically sealed the Hermit Kingdom state. You know, I was just so fascinated to go in there and see what was actually going on what life was like what the propaganda is like can, you know? can i ask were, were you ever afraid like for example were you worried that we're not going back to my hotel now we're going to some other compound <laughs> were you uh, ever worried that you might be you may not be allowed to leave or that you'd make a mistake or something and that you'd be kept there um not particularly i mean i i, I do it over on my channel i did a q a video on this and someone asked me that question over there um I wasn't afraid, and the reason I wasn't afraid is because the rules are strict, but they're they're very very clear, um, and you you're so railroaded that there's not much of an opportunity for something to go wrong. Um, you know, you're not going to get lost, you're not going to get mugged or anything like that, and you everybody on the tour had an understanding of where we were. You know, we knew that we had to be very respectful. We couldn't go gobbing off about you know. If they told you that Kim Jong Un scored a par, you know, hole in one on par seven, you had to go. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah and you know and, and they're not obviously there have been a few notable cases but you know they're not typically in the habit of locking up tourists it's people you, that you go know, off they... peace, isn't it it's people that kind of t go completely off piece i mean because as a photographer i've always wanted to go and photograph it but i know that you can't so uh, is it true that you get kind of because um, I've looked into these tours myself, but a part of me thought about the ethics of funding the regime in that way. Um, but is it it's it's true that you get a kind of 
you see what they want you to see you do see what they want you to see um so they they drive you from sort of beautiful beautiful spot a to beautiful spot b and and in that sense you see what they want you to see but they can't stop you looking out the window and we do you do drive around the country uh mm. and you do get to see a lot of what the country is actually like uh you know when you're going from a to b you know so it's you're not going to see like directly up close to the worst sort of poverty of it but you do um you know you, you will you will see it out the window and i you know a lot of the places that they'll stop you off will be sort of random you know but they're they're not for instance they'll stop at like a motorway service station for instance and i kind of went upstairs just looking for the loo in one of these places and it's you know the bottom is all set up all running beautiful and then you, you the top you just go one floor up and it's just it's just a derelict building, essentially. Oh so is it like almost like a movie set where everything looks like it's functioning on the outside? Because I saw Palin when he went to, to North Korea and it's like they've got like this airport or something and there's staff there and there's all these like kiosks and everything, but there's nobody there. There's nobody taking off. So it looks like it's all kind of functioning as a like one. It's a separate. I think it's a separate airport or a mall or something. So it's like a show mall almost. Mm. Like, is that what it's like? I think so. I've heard it compared to like the Truman Show. Yeah. It's not. I think that it sometimes can feel that way. I think that quite. It's not that that that, that kind of stuff does go on. You do get this sort of quite like veneer type uh, surface to things. It's not that everywhere you go, it's like that. But I think often is what it is. It's that everybody has a state assigned job, so a lot of these services keep running even if there's no one there to use them. So it's not so much that they put on this grand deception and display just for the sort of the couple of hundred tourists they get a year. It's more that these these businesses keep churning away in the background, even when there aren't actually patrons there to use them. So at the end, we went to a fairground. We went to a fairground, which again was, you know, all up and running with rides and everything. But basically, none of the locals could afford to be there. So we were basically the only people in the place. And it, and it was like that, you know, fully running fairground with staff but almost nobody there actually using it is that because so few people can afford to use it yeah essentially yeah. you know it's it, yeah the locals can't afford to use it but then everyone you know people have these state assigned jobs yeah. so they would be it would be their job to go and work at a kiosk at the fairground but wow. yeah. what was what was the most shocking thing you noticed when you were there um something that stood out to me was it was a small thing but the um in the country, the people used to grow corn like right up to the front door, um, and I've got photos of it, which, which you know, I show on my video of the houses, and and it's just house corn just right up to the front. And I think the reason for that is, you know, is, is a lack of agricultural space. Essentially, you know, people need to utilise every single bit of space that they have for food. It sounds like a complete contrast. You've got like the wealth of the cities and then the poverty of the countryside well pyongyang particularly so the the country runs on this um uh caste system essentially called songban um and the individuals who live within pyongyang are, are quite well i don't want to use the word wealthy but relatively they are wealthy compared to a lot of uh citizens around the country and also they're trusted more by the government so they're they're able to have jobs that may pay better enough to live semi-comfortably um but then outside of the city basically nothing has been built since the 60s essentially it's it's 
very dilapidated, very sort of shell concrete buildings, basically. I, I remember hearing that they had sent, <laughs> North Koreans had sent people to Benidorm <laughs> to look at the the house, the hotels and how they were built in Benidorm. Really? To use them, yeah, to use them as examples for how they should build a holiday resort. Can you imagine a bunch of North that. Koreans just wandering around Benidorm, just looking at all us horrible English people, going, "Oh my god!" Can you imagine if they had gone to Torquay? <laughs> That'd be nicer for them. Going to no, Benidorm. no, but if they they were like copying, I don't know, Basil Fawlty or something. Um, what, what, what was the um that you were talking about some of the the rules that you had to can you can you give us an example of some of the the stranger rules that you had to or guidelines you had to stay within uh yeah so if uh, if you were ever photographing a statue or anything you had to have the full statue in frame you couldn't photograph it cut wow. off if you're photographing yourself in front of it you know it had to be very kind of like deadpan you know like you can't be like in front of the statue or doing the thing you like pretending you're picking it up from <laughs> from a funny perspective um the it's a lot of stuff around like respect to the kims so for instance at one point we were in a train station and every, every building has these two photos of the kims at the top and we put our bags against a wall with the photos on just because they were small and at the top we didn't really think about it and a local came over and basically said you, you need to move the bags because we were disrespecting the portraits by having them there Wow. Um, Is this yeah. not like showing loads of similarities with the UK, like London and the Westminster bubble, and then everyone outside of that is poor? And there is actual statistical evidence to prove that. I can't remember who ran it, but someone made a comparison as if the UK was in the United States. With London, I think we were 45th, 46th. Without London, we were bottom of the United States in terms of poverty and wealth. Whoa. And you're like, yeah, yeah. So you're like, and then you've got the deity of the king who you can't besmirch on coronation or morning day because if you do, you'll get arrested. Hold up Isn't that? How, I mean, I wouldn't, I would never milder, compare. It's not the same. It's, it's, it's such a sort of a stark contrast. I get what you're saying. There's so far they want apart. It feels silly to... Uh... There's echoes, you know, aren't there? There's. Um... That's a better term. You you won't be arrested. You won't be arrested in North Korea for carrying eggs. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> no, yeah. No, I, I, or rape alarms. <laughs> like that was that was the one of the most shocking thing. I teach. I'm still doing a bit of teaching work, and I was having to explain to a student about these protest laws that come in. So there's one for Steve Bray, which is specifically targeted at one individual because he's so annoying, so prolific. Yeah, uh, it's so quite <laughs> impressive to be fair. <laughs> I, yeah, we asked him about that in a, in a previous episode if he felt proud about having a law all about him. You should call it Steve's Law. Steve's Law. <laughs> call it the Benny Hill theme law. That's what they should call it. <laughs> that was genius. That was such a bizarre day. Hugh Grant was like, Steve, put some Benny on. And then the next thing you know, he's blaring it out whilst old, um, what's his name, Chris Philp was trying to do, desperately trying to get through his interview. Well, I think there are a couple of things. Firstly, we need to make sure that we keep the basic functions of government going. Uh, that's really important. There are, for example, uh, no ministers in DfE at the moment. That needs to be sorted out. Uh, secondly, I think we need to try and select a new leader as quickly as we reasonably can. And obviously, uh, we need to make sure we make, make the correct choice, uh, but we should do it in a reasonably quick time. 
In terms of Boris staying on, the convention is that the outgoing Prime Minister um, does carry on. Uh, that's what happened when uh, Theresa May left office, is what happened when David Cameron left office. And, you know, given that, as we just heard, um, the uh, caretaker Prime Minister can't really introduce any new policy or any significant new legislation. Um, I don't really see any uh, major problem, but I haven't, I haven't really given it deep thought, to be honest. That was beautiful well i think the best was when boris resigned and you could hear it in the background uh from number 10 was it benny was it benny hill or no bye bye boris i think it was bye bye boris well they were playing boris johnson the the song by the sea i'm not going to de- get you demonetized you know the band <laughs> with the, the c words but with the k yeah i know yeah. what you mean yeah. Is a, uh, uh, uh. Uh, they were playing that out the front of the Labour conference and there were like snipers on the roof, obviously all around everywhere because there was like surveillance coppers like, you know, ready to go if there was like something kicking off. And I just looked around and it was just, yeah, just so surreal to hear that being blared out like they were fearless. Brain was that better than busting Sorry. it out? Was that better than fight for your right to party? <laughs> I, I, I preferred the milder songs a bit because I thought, oh, God, guys, you know, don't get yourself moved on because that is a bit much, <laughs> to be fair. Like, even I was like, whoa, calm down. <laughs> and then the other protest laws. So basically they brought in anti protest laws that were based on antisocial behaviour that was subjective. So yeah. that was including holding up a blank piece of paper. <laughs> Alla Russia. Be, which, I, I mean, what, how is the, how, like... How do the police work that in their brains? That that's what they've got to do? Like they, they after, I, mean, I hate to bring it up, but after Nuremberg, it's quite clear. You can't just follow what the state says. That's now set as a precedent and it's called the Rome Statute, which we've signed up to. So I don't understand how they can go around and go, oh yes, we'll just follow whatever they tell us blindly. <laughs> and it's really difficult to deal with, but it isn't just that. I mean, there was those women in Soho handing out rape alarms who got arrested because the police decided that they were going to be handed out and thrown at horses at the coronation. Or and they, Do you know why they hmm. did that as well? Because the Daily Mail lied about it happening. The sure. Daily Mail put that out as a splash. And then I think the police, it was one way or the yeah, the police acted on misinformation about protesters trying to scare the horses. And the organisation were a credible organisation that do this. They, they tried to protect women at night. Probably from the coppers, considering the amount of crimes that are committed by the police. And look at the people you're giving additional power to. People that each week there's a new rapist or domestic abuser that's being found, you know, in in the police force. They've they covered up one of those prolific rapists Britain's ever known in the police force. You know, Carrick. So it's it's terrifying. You're giving more power to people that are sadly untrustworthy. Uh, women don't trust the police anymore. Most women I know do not trust the police. Like if 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 two male coppers knocked on my door at night, I wouldn't answer the door to them. I would not. I wouldn't feel safe to. No. I wouldn't feel safe. They've lost that trust. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the whole policed by consent thing. I think that, yeah, they can't just keep saying it's just a couple of bad apples either because it's um, it's been proven to be institutionally racist. Um, but so also the, the expression is bad, uh, bad apples spoils the batch, not a couple of bad apples. Don't worry about it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about them. You know, yeah, it, it, the the entire thing ends up rotten. I mean, this is the problem that we have at the moment. It's um, it's not just that. But then there was the report today, wasn't there, um, which is important to note about how imagine if this was a Labour government, um, they're going to stop jailing 
people, including rapists, because the prisons are full. And I was like, my first reaction was they don't jail rapists anyway. It's like 1% end in a conviction, like one, you know, it's a yep. really, really horrifically low. But imagine if like every single system in Britain was in abject decline or ruin after 13 years of a Labour government, they would be strung up by the media. Yeah. It just shows the, anyway, I've, I've strayed off topic, I've veered, but it's... Um, a good beer. It shows the kind of client media base that we have and the influence that they have on the information sources and how closely they work with the government. But then this comes back to my point of what I originally said, you know, are there comparisons or echoes, as you eloquently put it, with what's going on in North Korea? I've just listed off a load of stuff. If you were to hear about a European country during all of this, you'd start to go, right, well, this is a right wing state. Liz Webster said it to me the other day. It's like being a frog in boiling water. I played devil's yeah. advocate. That's the last time I do that with Liz. <laughs> I think we, we do in this country. There are actions taken to impinge upon uh, freedom of speech and freedom of protest. No one's mm. denying that. But we, we, we do ultimately, I feel, have freedom of speech. We're here now having this conversation. You, you, well, you, could, you couldn't do this in North Korea, A, because you don't have internet, <laughs> but also... Uh, you know, I think pretty quickly you'd have a knock at the door and that would be the last of you. You'd never be seen from again. So, I, I yeah, okay. I mean, I, so, I think I think to sort of compare them is I'll, a bit no, of a no, point. Oh, I'll, no, I'll flip no it direction. back, though. I, I won't go into too, too much detail about it, but I have spoken with the police about a very, very dangerous organisation that exists in the UK. I won't say any more than that. But interestingly, I had to have an argument about the law with the police officer I was talking to about it, saying what they're saying is racist. Like, really 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 racist what are you going to do about it and they said to me because it's on social media there's nothing we can do so i racked my brain about it for oh. for about 30 seconds yeah 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 like this is what the police officer was telling me because it's said on social media you they can't do anything about it so i then said okay. right what if that person who was saying it on social media was saying it outside in public oh we can then and it was like I'm having to do his job to get him to deal with someone who is literally inciting hatred to the point where it's going to lead to violence. That's not true, though, because they arrested Lawrence Fox for inciting people to damage Ulez. Um, ah, but that's that's so there's a slight maybe <laughs> maybe my because I spoke to them about two months ago about this. Maybe they've all cottoned on. Actually, if they're saying it in the UK and it's clear that they're in the UK saying it, then we can arrest them. But Max, counsel you're liberated. Libel and defamation law, under, under libel and defamation law, it's mm. published. It's published. So it's, you can, you know, if you libel someone on Twitter, it's still libel and def, you know defamation and it still counts as com malicious communications. So oh, does it? It's talking bollocks, yeah. So they don't know <laughs> what they're talking about and they're no. still act like... And they're refusing to do stuff about it because well, they don't know what they're about talking it. about. Yeah, I, I've had the same. I, I was victim blamed just this week by the police for being threatened by a crazed, obsessive person on Twitter who creates like 25 profiles a week to say increasingly threatening things to me. And they were like, so well, sorry. Just come offline. Do you? Um, just, can I ask? Do you? Um, well, I mean, or both individuals you're talking about? Are these anonymous individuals, or can you pinpoint a direct individual that who is doing this? The police could find them. This is the right. point. It's the police, and it is technically it is their job because I would have to try and find an ethical hacker. I don't know if that's legal or not. Nope. Uh, I'd have to find like someone to hack uh, and and just or just try and get their IP by deception. 
right? That's the only way that I would be able to track them. Whereas the police could could do it. They have the power to 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 find like with with whoever you're talking about. Mm. It sounds almost like you're talking about the Conservative government. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> inciting criminal organisation. <laughs> is it Swella Braverman? Come on, you can tell us. Is it? I did. I did. Well, I can't say who it was, as much as I'd like to. However, I can tell you, I did report Boris Johnson for treason after the Russia Legend. Beautiful. And it was quite funny having to give a physical description. <laughs> Punch back for fat. <laughs> messy hair. What? <laughs> cream, cr- cream, cheese, cream, cheese, <laughs> cream cheese pumped into a suit. Um, boiled I... sweet in a Hoover bag. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's very good. Um, I called it. I thought I called it something. He looks like the honey monster, doesn't he? Like, like a, think, a wayward, a wayward honey monster. You think him and Trump are tw- like cousins? They could be cousins, like physically. Probably. I think Boris is part of erudite to be related to Trump somehow. Erudite. <laughs> well, he sort of is in a, in his way, isn't he? You know, what? I mean, you know. In a manner, he can, you know, waffle endlessly about Latin. You know, I think Trump finds it hard to get from one sentence to the next without having changed topic three times. Trump's like, I'm brilliant. I'm the best. I'm the best at talking about nothing. And then you've just got John's going, well, you know, and it just takes about seven years to get it. I I still can't get over the sweet and over back. It's beautiful. That was a, that was um, a thing of beauty. Well done. Bravo. As it's, oh, as, it's, no. as it's Halloween, oh, well, I'm going to give you three options of where you could stay for a night. Okay, go Where would you stay? Oh, no, not again. Tan. Oh, God. Okay. I don't like these questions. They're always bad. North Korea, Russia in Moscow, Tory party conference. You have to stay there for a night. Well, Russia and the Tory party conference is the same thing. <laughs> they've not just uh, taken their money they've taken their protest laws so in that case north korea (laughs) i couldn't be trusted around all those conservatives trust me i'd end up in trouble oh can you imagine trying to like i mean yeah you get like some people like i don't know like femi or like owen jones they'll go to the tory party conference i couldn't bite my tongue i just like no i couldn't it was getting so many arguments I'd have a couple of glasses of wine and just end up going full Essex. Talking to some young Tory, like, hey, no, I, just, I don't really understand it, you know. I mean, ever since I've come out as a Tory, up. nobody wants to date me. It's clear. I can't imagine why. Because I'm despicable and immoral, that's why. <laughs> that's um, right. Simon. Yes. Get to go back to North Korea, but you've got to stay on the fifth floor for a night. Probably can't touch anything. Oh, <laughs> I think that's floor. option one. Okay, I think that's got to be okay. out, but... Boris Johnson's house, he'll stay there for the night. Or you have to stay in a house that is claimed to be haunted by poltergeists with no electricity, no phone, in the pitch black. Different options. Oh, no, it'd have to be Boris Johnson's house. I'm thinking, you know, like, mouse in the cereal, cereal box. Mouse trap in the cereal box, should I say. That'd be a good one. Um, <laughs> what else can I do? I could do that thing where you put, like, seed crest down on the carpet and then flood the... Uh, like... Shrimp in the curtains is another one. So you wouldn't have any fears. You just go around causing destruction. Yeah. You could get those like that really stinky fish um, from like is it Norway or something that is like the most stinky fish in the world. Get a couple of cups of those, stick them under the floorboards, and then just leave them there. 
and just yeah. let nature take its course. I know she didn't give me the option of Boris Johnson's house. No I woman is safe there. That's no. Why. <laughs> no woman. As we we we've discussed that on on many episodes. No person probably. Yeah. Thinking no person. Now. I don't think he's that fussy, is he? Really? No. He has long enough. Um, Got a heartbeat. <laughs> Not. What, what do yet? the what do the women see him see in him? That's what I. That's my question. Um, Money, power. Think... Is that it? I don't know. Probably a superficial charm, and maybe if you think about the kind of women that move in his circles, they're probably just as immoral and um, you know just as morally bankrupt. And you know, you you have to be. You have to be dense or just um, evil, I think, to go anywhere near him. So um, or Jennifer Curry def- does give a description of what it was that grabbed oh, her. Please, no, oh God, I feel, it made me feel sick. I, I don't want to even think about it. It was bad enough reading that Times article about what him and. Oh. about what him and his then mistress got up to in his office like before they uh recalled the print halfway through the day and then printed out a different version because number 10 didn't like it it's, a, it's as horrible as man, as imagining your grandparents at it <laughs> i think i'd pref- almost prefer to <laughs> okay. that's how right. bad it is like just a sack of blancmange you know <laughs> So at least I got something out of my grandparents going at it, like, you know, being alive. <laughs> exactly. 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 Oh, my God. How did we get here? I feel disgusted. Yeah, I feel yeah, dead. It's, it's we started with Halloween. North Korea and then it just sort of <laughs> off natural up. progression, obviously. It doesn't feel natural. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I recommend everyone has a, has a shower after. Sorry, go on ahead. <laughs> Last one, uh, Max, Tory party conference. <laughs> 10 Downing Street with Rishi or a haunted dungeon, no lights in a castle. I'm afraid of ghosts, so I'll have to go with Rishi's. Um, but then he, he probably wouldn't he wouldn't like to t- talk to me because he'd, he'd say, you know, are you working class? So <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to fit in Max because yeah. he actually lives in a doll's house. It's <laughs> actually like a replica of number 10 that is like times 10 scale small. So he he actually lives in a tiny little doll's house. So you'd just be peering in through the windows and he'd just be sitting there in his hoodie. Are you rich? No, go away then. You know, you wouldn't be allowed in. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to physically fit in. That's what people don't realise is it's not actually Downing Street. Why, why, does, why does he go to all of these events where he's meeting with like workers in Amazon warehouses and stuff and try and fit in? Do, like, does he not understand how disconnected he is from from their reality the fella can't even get his trousers right he's (laughs) technically walking around in pedal pushes nowadays what is it with tories and clothes like look at jacob rees mogg he buys suits that are five times too big for him and and uh rishi sonic buys buys trousers (laughs) maybe it's maybe it's for the penny farthing yeah it is it is and he's got those little clips so he doesn't get his uh his trouser caught in the big wheel um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we digress conferences max oh christ on a bike on a petty farthing <laughs> how, how did you find the labor conference was it all glitter and glamour or just for me sorry or for super. max uh sorry yeah I, I actually i didn't see all of it uh, i saw some of it but um i thought it was really good i thought i thought there were some really good speeches and i'm not talking i'm not saying that because i'd like i'd like labor to win but um Starmer's speech was wonderful. 
and um and david lammy's speech was wonderful really powerful i i something i love about david david lammy is he's a firebrand he's somebody who, yeah. who who doesn't hold back and um I, I don't agree with him on everything but i think he's a wonderful speaker and he's somebody great to have in the house of commons and mm. um yeah, he'd be great in government as well um one of one of the speeches that we didn't hear a lot about because it's not many people are following it but was um hillary ben on Northern Ireland, and um, mm. he, he said a few things that are going to piss off the DUP, so that always makes me happy. So I was, uh, <laughs> you know, you're like, get back to government, you you lazy, <laughs> feckless, work-shy layabouts. Um, so, you know, I, I think the, the, the conference was good. Um, of course, there was the, the, the glitter incident, but uh, Starmer just shook it off like like well. like luke skywalker in in uh, the latest star wars movie um so that went that went pretty good i think it was a bit like that wasn't it actually and then i've been trying to <laughs> i figured out where penny morden got her speech from at the tory conference where she was talking about fighting stand up and fight because when you stand up and fight the person beside you stands up and fights and when our party stands up and fights the nation stands up and fights and when our nation stands up and fights other nations stand up and fight and they stand up and fight for the things upon which the entire progress of humanity depends freedom that is what conservatives do and she nick it she, I think she did. What was that about? Anyone got a clue where she might have nicked it? Where oh, someone kept talking was about it something fighting? really inappropriate? Yeah. Like, I don't know, like Nelson Mandela or something. No, Nelson more Mandela. recent. <laughs> more recent and just uh, and inappropriate. Not as inappropriate. Was it from a movie? It might as well have been from a movie. Braveheart. <laughs> Trump. I Trump. twigged. It's Trump. Trump said we've got to fight like hell. And it's exactly what she said. We got to go out. We got to go out and we got to fight like hell and we got to win the House and we got to win the Senate. What we have to go through and you have to get your people to fight. And if they don't fight, we have to primary the hell out of the ones that don't fight. You primary them. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. But I've been racking my brains because like, where have I heard that before? And it's literally Trump saying we've got to fight like hell. And you're like, that's where she got it from. She's it literally mad. ripped off a Trump speech. I mean, it could isn't be a coincidence. Crazy? It's, only, it's just three words, well, though, isn't it? It's not. But like... it's only one from Trump. But he's still saying it. It's still you. You listen right, to the fight like hell is the expression like, people use, isn't it? It's not like it was I a don't know many. It was How many of you heard say the word fight? Because that's the thing. I think that threw everyone off quite a bit. I've never heard a politician going out and saying and rallying everyone by saying "got to fight." Mm. Oh, she, maybe she was playing on the fact that, you know, she was seen as the most competent Tory MP just because she could adequately hold a sword for a bit. Like this is the this is like the bar. This is where the bar is now. It's in hell. Um, it's in absolute hell. But um, in terms of the Labour conference, I was there. The atmosphere was really amazing. Um, Keir Starmer's speech, like it was like my friend A described it as like they, it was like live at the Apollo. Though it was, I've never seen like images from conference where it's packed back to the doors. You couldn't really get into most of the main halls simply because it was risky because of how full it was. Like people were standing right up to the doors. 
And I went into the overflow auditorium to watch Keir Starmer's speech and that was rammed. Wow. And people were stand giving standing ovations in an overflow, watching it on a screen. That's how kind of into it people were. But I think one of the good, good things, uh, one of the better speeches as well, was Rachel Reeves' speech, especially in terms of bringing in a um, COVID corruption commissioner, because I think that's well in touch with public mood, especially in the wake of Partygate and the COVID inquiry being back in the news. And the fact that they're going to implement the, I've, I've made notes about this, the Serious Fraud Office and the National Crime Agency. And that has gone down brilliantly with people because I think people want to see something happen. And with all inquiries like, you know, Grenfell, Hillsborough, it goes on and on and on and on and on. No one really ever faces any real punishment or consequences for their behaviour. And the government can just go, meh, all right then, and get away with it. But this is actually kind of like a dose of consequences for the Tories. And also it's a it's a clever move on their part because they're saying we're going to get back what you lot wasted and what you lot have taken away from the taxpayers. So I thought that was really strong. But there's loads of really strong speech. Rainer, really, really strong speech as well. And I have to say it actually for the first time in ages, actually, I think gave a bit of hope. Hmm. I mean, Starman might not be everyone's ideal leader. Um, he's not, you know, but I, I think we need to end populism anyway. You know, uh, we need, we want a bit of dull. <laughs> we want a bit of boring. We want to be able to sleep at night, don't we? So um, I'd say if, you know, if politics, you know, it's working well and it's boring. It's, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's supposed to be boring. And this, and this is the trouble about people like Boris. Is Boris, people are all going to the pub with him, you know, and he was entertaining. And that, you know, it's the same with Trump, you know, but actually like, you know, I mean, Max, you've spoken about Irish politics in this regard. Like it can be dull, but dull is, can be good. But, yeah, it's not supposed to be, you know, if, if you want entertainment, watch Netflix, you know, you're running a country. It's not supposed to be all sort of. But but I also, I mean, you would, you. yeah, like... but also you would talk about like the, the hope, you know, they mm. I don't like talking absolute terms like this because I don't want to see the left get complacent. But, you know, Labour are almost certainly he heading for a large victory. And after mm. 13 years of being out of power, I think that, um, well, people are, like I said, not happy with Starmer entirely. And I'm, I'm out of my issues with him. You know, it, it, people are hopeful to to see an end to the decline, to, to actually see the UK start moving in a slowly better direction, but also actually maybe, maybe, being able to start looking at some serious political reforms, be it House of Lords reform or, yes. you know, please, proportional representation. I mean, I don't I'm ready to be seen on that one, but... Um... I'm, I'm going to have to play a bit of a devil here and say, it's a bit vague. He said, what was it, million and a half homes in 10 years? That's 150,000 a year. Crisis has said repeatedly we need 400,000. Go, it's in our economy, mate. <laughs> Have you seen the state that they're inheriting? I mean, the, the Tories are just just looting, and um, I agree everything. So, like, what we're and this is and and an interesting part of his speech was, however, you know, where he alluded to however bad you think they're going to get in this in this next year in the lead up to general election, it's going to be a million times worse. Not just in terms of like, you know, this awful conspiratorial rhetoric that they were they were spouting at the at the Tory conference literally giving legitimacy to nonsense conspiracy far right conspiracy mm. and telling barefaced lies and even continuing with the barefaced lies when called out by 
bemused journalists. You know, it was it was a circus and it's oh, yeah. going to get worse. And also, like, it's going to be a tough fight for whoever comes in because they're going to they've not got any bloody money. The Tories have absolutely shagged. I've, I've been saying it for about a year now. Get the 3D printing of houses out. That's how you do it. You can do you can build a house, a two story house in two weeks with seven guys, seven people, seven what? people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a 3D printer. Salter Brunei is like putting this out as a policy, but basically you, the the a machine moves around the design that you want it to build as a house. You can pour design, it down yeah, concrete. It can, it can work on any design. You can design yeah. it on a computer and, and just like basically click, click print and it will start printing. NASA what? is literally playing with this technology to get on houses moon, built in Mars for when they land. But they're going to... Black I'm sure it's a bit more complicated. I mean, I know, I know, it's, the technology is being developed, it's but I'm, I mean, it I work... has been developed. It, like this is here. It's just IKEA are talking about it. Oh so my you'd be god! Able to Flat go pack and... houses. <laughs> yeah, 3D printed house. What? IKEA is talking about it. The Sultan of Brunei wants uh, 50% of the houses built in Dubai um, to be built by 3D printer in the next 10 years. Germany's doing it. China's got it. Uh, I think it's either three or five story house built with a 3D printer, which is one of the hardest things to do because wet concrete isn't exactly great if you stack. Alex, you promised me concrete. you're not, you're not, no, you're not taking the piss. I'll show you the video. I'll send you the link afterwards. I'm telling the you. The words of Danny doing, Germany, is... I, I'm very good at acting, but no. It's uh... frying my nut. Like, I don't understand how you could even, how the, how the, what? So you build it, it, literally. It's like pouring down concrete. Like imagine a, <laughs> it's a terrible analogy, but it works. You know the remember the you ever have a Mister Whippy? You <laughs> yeah. pull down the pump. Yeah, I know it's terrible, but it's the best one you can get. Imagine pouring down the pump and it coming out, and then you move it along, but you're pouring out concrete. I you create got you. a wall, okay. yeah, okay. and you create a wall which can go up to a story, then sets, and then you put on another story, and then you've got a two-story house, and it takes two weeks with seven work people on the site, that's it. And it, that means you can increase capacity by tenfold, which reduces the cost of the housing. The problem in the UK is land prices. But if you can still reduce construction time, imagine if you're building, imagine if you're building a two story block of flats and you can do the first two stories in two weeks. Like right. how much quicker is it gonna to be to build blocks of flats? You the see, problem is I'm no one wants to talk about this because you would, absolutely annihilate the housing market but what i don't get is why i, I know ikea are looking at this <laughs> if ikea are looking at this like the housing market will change because ikea have got the money to be able to put this into play and they know how to market you get your own house and it's filled with ikea furniture like um... it's the ikea brand from top to bottom it's it, it this is coming it just depends on on the uk government and what i don't get is how starmer and the others aren't clocking onto this tech it's Tech's there. evolved quicker than our brains <laughs> you yes. know it's just it, 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 politicians are always yeah and... sorry politicians are always behind the curve um yeah. but but it's also a case of but if labor were to bring in something like this this is what's so important i wish politicians would would understand is that if you create a a, a wonderful living experience for people they have uh security they have um a safe home it's a good quality they don't want to give that up. So as you as a politician, you can say at the next general election, do you want to lose what you have? No, I don't want to lose what I have. Then continue to vote for us. 
And this is what's um, well, the Tories can't do that at the moment because, well, you know, people are looking around and saying we don't want more of this. So I mm. think it's important for the for Labour when they get into power, create something good for people and then explain to them like a UBI, for example, universal basic income. If you if you introduce a UBI, no one wa- no one would be brave enough to take that away because people will get used to it and say, wow, this is wonderful. I want to I want to maintain this UBI. Mm. And, and this is I mean, oh, this is something that came out Simon. through Starmer's speech. And I'll give him credit for was the fact that Starmer said, oh, essentially, I want everyone to be in a, in a position where they've got one job and they can live off the money and they're able to take a mini little vacation. They don't have to scramble around. They're able to have savings. And it's like, this is a traditional thing, which is what we've lost. I mean, you, I, rem- I can, re- I remember to this dying day that Bush was like proud. I know we're switching to America, but it's a Republican attitude. And it's very similar to the Tories, which is, oh, this person's great because they've got three jobs. And isn't she an amazing person? And you're going, why? No, you've, that means you've messed the system up. If you've created a system where one job isn't good enough to be able to feed a family, and look after everyone you'll you failed the system and this is where you get into the whole debate about zero hour contracts and the issues over those this is where you get into the issue of like minimum wage there's problems with that as well but the fact is wages don't cover what you need to live i've heard it as well speculated about the you know ubi is a fascinating idea i I don't think it's one that necessarily society is ready for just yet but whether or not automation is going to push the need for a ubi i mean you know in one sense we already do have a ubi it's called a pension but you know it's mm. you know it's essentially like reducing the pension age to 18 it, you know it's you know and 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 you know if computer-led innovation push you know pushes productivity up and up and up and up and up you know th- there is an argumentation that i think you may at some point need a ubi to to redistribute that wealth exactly and then and then, then how do you work that out? Sorry, Max. Well, it, what do you mean by working? I mean, well, the thing about a UBI is that any any benefit system uh, runs into the inevitable questions of who gets it, how much, how much they get, but also how do you stop individuals essentially becoming trapped in in that system? You know, because you always hear the case example of well, I started working and now I earn less. Because, you know, whereas the UBI. Okay everybody gets it everybody gets the same amount it's yeah and they're only trapped because the the government are not like for example in this country the cost of childcare is through the roof we've got the highest taxes but the the least to show for it out of anywhere in europe i mean there's like higher taxes in scandinavia for example um but things work Childcare is taken care of people can afford to do these things they can afford to live um the only reason that we've got such high taxes is because of the government's catastrophic failings um i think one of the one of the interesting things around the the child care thing is that um research come out recently which showing that our generation um, is is the first generation that hasn't been getting more conservative as they've aged and a big part of the speculation as to why that is is it's it's home ownership and families you know and obviously and those things are uh, quite often linked you know and, and, and i find it funny that, that poorly funding things like childcare may be why a lot some people are not opting to have kids and maybe why the people are not getting more right wing with age and That's that in decades true. is going to hurt them 
That's what Aid said. That's exactly the theory that our friend Aid has about how, um, yeah, the Tories are losing voters because people aren't getting to the kind of life stages that they traditionally used to in terms of becoming homeowners, yeah, having kids, etc., and and then maybe becoming more protectionist in, ter- in terms and more risk averse in their choices. And, and the, so the Tories are. Going- yeah, the yeah. Tories are shooting themselves in the foot over that because they're, they're making the situation. Yeah, <laughs> they're making a situation where it's becoming less and less likely that somebody will vote Tory. And they won't. They won't tax the rich to be able to solve the problem, which seems to be the only solution. You've you've squeezed the pips out of middle class and working class, when they still won't do anything. They've just got this weird neoliberal obsession. Eat On that rich. cheerful note, bye bye. Tune in next week for another exciting story from the files of Police Squad. The Brexit vote. We were still trying to work out what the border between the EU and Britain was going to look like. There's no border between um, um, Islington or Camden and Westminster. There's no border between Camden and, and Westminster. But when I was mayor of London, we, we anaesthetically and invisibly took hundreds of millions of pounds from the accounts of people travelling between uh, those two boroughs without any need for uh, border checks, whatever. There are all Come on, sorts you of can't things. compare two boroughs of, of London with the kinds of difference in, in the arrangements that would, that would be in place no, after think, Brexit think, between think, the UK and the very, EU. I think it's a very relevant comparison. People were confused by the boss's idea for an invisible, smart border in Ireland. Without a deal on this, we were going to be crashing out of the EU in 13 days' time. We'd been looking into how the smart border was going to operate. Grace, where are we on smart borders? Um, so I've been talking to the guys at Policy Exchange yeah. and um, they just haven't been able to point to anywhere that actually has a smart border. So, so like, it's like borders 2.0. Okay, so it's like borders which embraces innovation. But no, they just haven't got, you know, they just haven't got like customs posts or like cameras and stuff. It's like a fully joined up approach to border design. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like they're just smart. They're smart. Smart borders. Stop saying smart borders. Doesn't mean anything. Frictionless. So it's literally a case of just like, it's innovative um, uh, border tech. Tech. Yeah, they're primed to flex. Yeah to changing circumstances using technology. What technology? I don't actually know yet. I think leave that to the tech guys. What Essentially what I'm going with is just a case of like um, scanning and... Yeah, um, tap in, tap out. Yeah, it's... it's, what, it's like 